We're delighted that you're with us this evening. We have chosen to hold a traditional carol service, which will involve nine lessons and carols. And you may be familiar with that. And so the order of service is before you. We'll have one lesson with a reading. I'll share a few words after each reading, then a carol, then the next lesson in a few words. And thus that will help break up the sermon to nine little Many sermons, you could say, and uh, hopefully that'll help this evening, and I hope you're looking forward to it. We are, our first lesson is going to be read uh, by one of our deacons, Mr. Tommy Wall. He's going to make his way here at this time, and as he comes, I want to share just a few notices with you in regards to the life of our church, the Oxford Baptist Chapel. Many of you are familiar, of course, uh, with us, but some of you may not be, and we invite you, if you do not have a church home of your own, we'd love for you to worship with us. We have been worshiping for over a year now uh, under a large marquee and just on the edge of the ring road, on the edge of Oxford, of course, because of all the restrictions and things. We have a little chapel in Jericho, but uh, we have run out of space, and so we are uh, in a bit of a problem, a bit of dilemma, a good problem. Uh, so we're kind of stuck in a big marquee, which is okay, but we'd love for you to come and worship with us. We have seen the Lord's blessing and trust that he will continue to bless. Uh, as far as the seasonal uh, services that uh, approach are approaching, we invite you to join us for our Christmas Day service, which will be, of course, this Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning. That'll be held under the marquee, and uh, the address, of course, is there. It's on the website as well, if you do not know where that's located. And that service will be less than an hour long, but we'd love for you to come and be a part of that with us. And then, of course, we'll be worshiping as usual on the following day, on the Lord's Day, this coming Sunday, the 26th. And uh, we also hope, God willing, to have a New Year's Eve service on the 31st of December, beginning at 7 p.m. And we'll spend the evening together praying in the new year. And uh, there are many other things that the church is involved in, which we will not bore you with now. But it's not a bore to us, very thrilling to us. If you'd like to know more, then you can see the website or ask one of the folks after the meeting. We're delighted that you're here with us and we're praying that God will give us a very special evening together. Tommy, you come along if you would, please. Our first lesson will be read from Genesis chapter 3, the very first book of the Bible, beginning in verse number 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, 
and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrows, and thy conception in sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles it shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Amen. Thank you, Tommy. And this begins the Christmas story. In fact, the very first two human beings that God placed on this planet, planet, uh, through this first event, we realize the need of Christmas. What do you mean? The need of presents and lights? No, 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 no. The need of a Savior. Christmas began with the first two human beings when they fell. All was perfect before that day. There was no sin. There was no corruption. There was no disease. But when disobedience entered into the hearts and minds of the first of God's created people, then came the need of redemption. We read in the very first book of the Bible, the fall of man and thus the need for a savior. We read consequently a curse and a war that began. What do you mean a war? We read of a, a war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. A war between good and evil. And I don't think you need me to tell you that that war is still very much alive today, isn't it? I believe we can feel it even today. The battle between good and evil. And thus the Christmas story began. Not when Christ was born, but when the first of humanity sinned. We're going to hear now our next carol, our next song, which will be sung, I believe, by a quartet. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Shall come to 
next reading is taken from the 22nd chapter of Genesis, and our dear brother, Mr. Trevor Luke, one of our deacons, will be reading uh, this lesson, Genesis 22, beginning in verse 15. From Genesis chapter 3, we hear the first signs of a coming Savior who would crush the head of the serpent of Satan himself, and that was placed in the hearts of humanity and will be traced throughout humanity until he came. Genesis 22 Verse 15. And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessings I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heavens, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall be possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Amen. We find throughout the scriptures that God has always been at work at bringing men and women unto himself. And in the man Abraham, we find that God had chosen not just a man, but a people through which his Messiah would come. And through the seed of Abraham, we read that there would not just be a blessing to Abraham, but through the seed of Abraham, there would be a multiplying the scriptures say that thy seed shall be as the stars of the heaven, as the sand upon the seashore. Thy seed shall possess the gate of the enemies. There's a power that belongs to the seed of Abraham. And there's a blessing in which all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And with Abraham, the choosing of a man and the choosing of a people came an expectation and an anticipation of that which was to come. Let's sing together our next carol. 
It'll be carol number two in your order of service. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. We'll stand together in just a moment to sing carol number two.
understanding. I think that's just about the way it should be sang. Let's sing that last verse one more time. And if our organist could just get us started on that first line and then drop out, and let's sing it a cappella. And I think that sounds absolutely beautiful. Let's sing it out together on that last verse. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee. time but this time <laughs> this time if we can get our organist to just play that first line and then the drop out and we'll sing the rest of it a cappella that sound okay just the first line of, the, of that last verse here we go yeah lord we That's beautiful. Thank you very much. Our next lesson will be read by another one of our deacons, Mr. Paul Richom, taken from the ninth chapter of Isaiah, our third lesson, Isaiah chapter nine, beginning in verse number two. And this is one of my favorite portions in regards to the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah chapter nine, beginning in verse two. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen.
What a beautiful portion of scripture. And we saw in our first lesson the need of a savior, the brokenness of mankind and really of the world because of the disobedience and sinfulness of man and the promise of a coming Messiah, but, but also the promise of a war, a spiritual war between good and evil. And now we read a little bit more of this coming Messiah. In fact, as we read in verse 2, a little bit more light is given in regards to this Messiah that is to come. And I don't know about you, but if there's ever been a time we have needed light, it is today. And we're living in some dark days. But the promise of the Messiah is this, that he would come as a child. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now that's a promise. And it's a glorious promise. I find it hard sometimes, I don't know about you, but I find it hard sometimes to trust just about anybody in a government office today. But we do know that the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Watch this beautiful fivefold expression of who he is. His name shall be called Wonderful. That this Messiah would be full of wonder. And we would look upon him and as a result be full of wonder ourselves. Truly wonderful. He would be counselor. There have been some times when I needed some counsel and advice, haven't you? He is the greatest counselor. The mighty God. So a little bit more about this coming Messiah. He would not just be a child or a son, but he would be actually the mighty God. The everlasting father. And the Prince of Peace. Some of us may have had bad experiences with our own earthly fathers. But this Messiah, this Savior, would be an everlasting, an everlastingly good father. And he would be one to bring peace and not just bring peace, but be the very Prince of Peace itself. And I believe you and I all recognize the need of peace today. The need of peace in the world the need of peace in your heart that is brought by the Messiah himself. And the scriptures go on to say that the of the increase of his government, there shall be no end, meaning it would increase and increase and increase. And of the increase of his peace, there shall be no end. An interesting uh, sum, you could say, the beginning of, his, of, of the description having to do with his government, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and the end of the description having to do with him being the Prince of Peace. And both bookends, of both bookends, there shall be no end. No end of his authority, no end of his rule and reign, and no end of his peace. And so therefore we have this expectation and this understanding to look forward to that was written about 700 years before the Christ child was born. Marvins. We will now hear our next song, our next carol, which will be sung by a group of men. And this is always exciting. So come along, gentlemen, if you would. They will be singing, O Holy Night, contemplating and thinking of the night that our dear Savior was born.
Let all within us 
Thank you, gentlemen. Our next lesson will be read by our dear brother, Mr. Paul Donnelly. He'll be reading from the Old Testament book of Isaiah again from the 11th chapter, reading from verses from verse 1 to verse 9, if you'd like to follow along. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. At our last reading, we heard of a wonderful Savior, a counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace, one of whose government should know no end, who would be able to find and establish peace. And in this text, we see just how he'll do that. And the coming of a Messiah and the coming of a Savior means that he'll have to deal with the problem, the problem of humanity. I think we all recognize that the greatest problem on the earth right now, no offense, is not global warming or even the coronavirus, but the greatest problem on the earth is the same problem that it has always been, and that is the darkness of man's heart. We're the problem. I think most, most people, whether they be religious or not, would recognize that the great problem in the world is the problem of humanity. There was a competition that went out from the, a well-known London uh, newspaper many, many years ago in the Victorian era. And uh, the competition was this. It was a writing competition. And the question was, what is wrong with the world? And whoever could answer and give the best article, the best paper and response would receive some 
great reward, and not to mention be recognized throughout, throughout all the land. Many different answers and essays came in, but the, the winning response was the shortest response. The winning response was written by a man, and he wrote in to the, the editors of the newspaper, and he said, Dear sirs, as to your question as to what's wrong with the world, I am. He signed his name and sent it in. And he won. Because there lies the problem. And until you and I are willing to admit that the great problem in the world begins with the one looking back at us in the mirror, until we're willing to begin to admit that, then we'll never see a solution. Well, he came. And the promise of his coming was to deal with that problem of sin. The scriptures describe that this Messiah would come uh, like come forth a rod, a rod symbolizing authority once again. A branch shall grow up out of his root. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, giving him wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear so that he would know exactly what he was doing, unlike some of our other leaders occasionally. He'll know exactly what he's doing when he judges. And he'll judge in such a way that those who are weak, those who are poor and meek, he'll deal with appropriately. But he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. With his very word, he would bring forth judgment. The scriptures say that with the breath of his lips, that he would slay the wicked. And all of a sudden, the people who were looking forward to a coming Messiah began to quiver and shake a little bit. Because if a Messiah and a Savior was going to come and he was going to deal with the problem of the world, and if the problem of the world was the problem of humanity, then that would touch each one of us. And so we're left at the end of this lesson, perhaps with a bit of fear and trembling, as it were. A bit of concern as to this Messiah's coming. Not to worry. We'll hear some more from our next lesson. But before we do, we will sing together our next carol. See amid the winter snow. Hymn number three. Born for us on earth below. See the tender lamb appears. Promised from eternal years. Hymn number three. Let's stand together as we sing.
Our fifth lesson will be read by Mr. Combe Fagan, taken from Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. I mentioned a moment ago that the prophet Isaiah wrote 700 years before Christ was born. After another 300 years of different prophets ministering to the people of God and the people of earth, there came a time which the voice of God was heard no more. We refer to that as the silent years. Nearly 400 years of no prophet's voice, of no word from God. And after 400 years of silence, I'm sure that the people of earth and the people of God began to wonder, would this Messiah come? Had God forsaken them? But we read, as we've read a moment ago, that the angel of God visited after many, many years, 400 years of silence, and the promise was that the Savior was to be born. I love the greeting that he brings. Would you look this way? The greeting he brings is this, fear not. Fear not. I'm sure they knew if the arrival of the Messiah would be perhaps a fearful thing. And I'm sure that the angel knew that after 400 years of silence that humanity began to wither even more. And so he preceded his announcement with fear not. Fear not. Jesus was going to be born. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. A confirmation of his kingdom there shall be no end. Amazing. Finally, he was coming. But still, there was a bit of uncertainty, I'm sure. And so that little announcement was very important. Fear 
not. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I wonder this evening if perhaps you feel like the world has gotten so bad and so dark that you've lost all hope for light and peace. Fear not, for nothing shall be impossible. We're going to hear a next song by a group of ladies entitled, What Child Is This? Our next scripture reading will be read by Mr. Tion de Klerk 
and he'll be reading from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, reading down to verse 7. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary's espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. He's here. Finally, the Messiah has come. But the interesting thing is he came as a baby. Isn't that the most remarkable thing, that the Savior of the world would come as a baby, an infant? I personally think that perhaps one of the reasons he had to come as a baby was so that he wouldn't frighten to death everybody. Nobody's frightened of a baby. He had to live a perfect, sinless life, and so therefore uh, he had to be known by the world from the time that he was born, and that had to be proven. In fact, the only thing that people could ever say wrong against him was that he claimed to be God. That's why the Jews wanted to kill him. They were upset with him. They were upset that he didn't keep their traditions. But they couldn't find any sin in him. He's here. Children, I want to tell you a little story. I read recently of the old mining days of the wild, wild west. How many of you children have heard of the wild, wild west, the early days of the States? And there was a lot of gold mining taking place. And there was one camp. That was notorious. It was known through all the states, all the land for being the wildest place to live. Do you know what the name of it was called? Roaring Camp, like a lion roars. And there are many reasons why they called it Roaring Camp. One reason they say they called it that was because it was a dangerous place to live. Do you know the most common way to die at Roaring Camp? Was to die in an argument, in a pistol shoot. Can you imagine? They'd be playing card games and they'd start fussing and arguing and out would come the pistols and the most common form of death in that camp was at the end of a pistol. It was a wicked place to live. It was so bad and so dark and so wicked that there were no women there except for one. She had a very bad reputation and she died whilst giving birth to a child. And so when she died whilst delivering this child, the baby, a little baby girl lived and she died. And now the only woman in the camp was a tiny little infant. Do you know what those big rough, tough mining men did when they looked at that little baby that was lying in a little box after its birth? Do you know what they did? Those men said, well, that's just not right. That a pure, innocent little baby should be lying filthy rags in this dirty box. So do you know what they did? Can you guess what those men did, children? Nathan?
you got it. They sent one of their fellows along to the, to the next town 80 miles down the road and they purchased a brand new rosewood cradle. Beautiful. The best that money could buy. And they brought it back to a roaring camp and they placed that little baby in those dirty rags in that cradle. And somebody said, hold on a moment. That cradle's so nice and the baby's so beautiful. What are we doing with those rags? So they sent another man back to town to buy some brand new lace. The finest that money could buy. And here he came back, beautiful, pure white lace lying in the bottom of the rosewood cradle. And there went the little baby on top. And the men stood back, those rough, tough, mean, wicked, evil miners. And they said, hold on a moment. The floor is filthy. I can't believe whilst looking at that baby in its cradle on top of that awful, dirty floor, they said something has to be done. They never realized the floor was so dirty until they saw the baby so clean, on the lace so clean, and the rosewood cradle so clean, and on the floor so dirty. So what do those men do, do you think? Isaac? Oh, they certainly did. They got down on their hands and knees with rough hands like miners, and they scrubbed that floor until it was spotless, cleaner than it was when it first went down. And then they noticed something else. Can you guess what they saw next? Any ideas, Sadie? The walls were filthy. The floor was now sparkling clean, and the cradle was beautiful, and the lace was pure white, and the baby was so pure and innocent and beautiful, and the walls were filthy. So what do you think those men did? What do you think? Yes, sir. They cleaned the walls and then the ceilings. And then they began to realize that everything was dirty. And then they began to think, hold on, if we've got a baby in the camp, then we've got to have some quiet time because the baby needs to sleep. And so that loud uh, ruckus that those men would make in roaring camp, all of a sudden, every day at a certain time, there had to be quiet. Can you imagine? And things began to change around roaring camp. And when the miners went back to work, they took the little baby in the rosewood cradle. They didn't take her down into the mine, don't worry. But they put her at the entrance of the mine. And because it was so boring, they decided to plant flowers. And flowers all around the entrance to the mine. And so the very mines themselves became a flower garden. And every time they found a nice sparkling stone, they cleaned it off and brought it up so the little baby had something to look at while she lay in the cradle. One of the town's proprietors decided that he was going to strike while the iron was hot. And, and so he decided he put mirrors up in his establishment. And every time the men went to smoke and, and talk and gossip as they do, they would be forced to look at themselves in the mirror. And guess what they saw when they looked in the mirror? Can you guess? Hadn't? They were dirty. Not only was the ground dirty and the walls dirty and the ceiling dirty and the mine entrance to the mine ugly, but they were filthy. So what did they do? They ordered for a big load of soap to be brought in and razors. And that was the cleanest those miners had ever been in their life and the cleanest that Roaring Camp had ever been in its entire existence and that little baby, all because of the birth of a little baby, the entire place changed. And would you look here for a moment? That's exactly what happened when Jesus came into this world. It's The only problem is the world was a whole lot worse than Roaring Camp when Jesus came. When Jesus was born into this world, he was born into a world of darkness and sin and hatred and racism and all sorts of wickedness that the, the worst darkest wickedness you could imagine is found seated in the heart of humanity. And Jesus 
the very Son of God, God in the flesh, came into this darkness. He was born into this world that he might do something about it. And so when Christ was born, as we've read about a moment ago, it was so that he could begin to do what he promised would be done. We're going to sing together our next carol, hymn number four, O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Be born. 
seated. What a great, great song. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. No good a baby being born in a camp. Not really, doesn't really make any difference to us. Doesn't really make any difference to you if Christ was born in a manger unless he be born in your heart. And then he begins to make all things new. Now we have the most illustrious choir in all of Oxford. In fact, probably in all of England with us tonight. And uh, boy, I'm telling you, never been a finer looking choir, that's for sure. Beautiful choir. And they have been practicing, working. In fact, they are not just a choir, but they're going to be delivering unto us our next, our seventh lesson tonight from Luke chapter 2. And they'll also be singing as well. I know it will be a blessing to you.
the multitude of heaven's hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men.
didn't know any better, I'd say that last song was your favorite. That was brilliant. Well done. Some of you just couldn't wait to get that go out, could you? And that's good. Well, whilst these teenagers are coming along, I want to share with you just a brief thought about what their children read for us in their little seventh lesson. And what a beautiful portion of scripture. But again, we see that, that expression, fear not. And this time we're told why we don't have to be afraid at the coming of the Messiah. Because the angel said, I bring you good tidings. That's good news. Now, would you look this way? The gospel is good news. The coming of Jesus is the greatest news this dark world has ever received. And so therefore, when the angel said, I bring you good tidings... It was not just for those shepherds for that time. It would be forever for all of humanity, good news. And uh, it was good news, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Remind me, children, a... You got it. Let's try that again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a... Thank you very much. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus was born. Not just another baby. That's the big difference between that little infant born in roaring, uh, roaring camp. Uh, that little infant would grow up to be like you and I one day. But Jesus, when he was born, would grow up to be and was the eternal son of God, sinless, spotless, and would lay down his life to be a savior for us, which is Christ the Lord. I love this. The angels together saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Would you look here for a moment? The greatest expression of goodwill from God towards men was the sending of his son. I was just home a a few weeks ago for the funeral of my father-in-law. And while I was there, my brother-in-law, I was given a check. This was a check that my brother-in-law had given me many years ago. My My brother-in-law, if you don't know him, has Down syndrome. He's one of the most loving people I've ever met in my life. And in his 40s now. But he'd written me a check for $17,000. Now, he doesn't have $17,000. But that was certainly an expression of goodwill, wasn't it? I carried it in my Bible to show me that all of us should have that kind of a heart, shouldn't we? It was an expression of goodwill. But the problem was he just didn't have anything to back it up. He had plenty of love, no doubt, but when Christ came and God said goodwill toward men, it was more than just an empty promise. It was more than just a nice check. It was the substance of it all. He was the substance of that goodwill toward men. And we'll hear more about that in just a moment. Good to have this second finest choir in all of Oxford, the teen choir. I'm glad to have them with us, and they're thinking about going on the road, and uh, we'll see how they do tonight as to whether or not we'll allow them to go on the road traveling and singing, but uh, they'll be reading for us our eighth lesson, and they'll also be singing together uh, for us here in just a moment. from the east came to Jerusalem.
saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For he has seen his star in the east, and I come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of all the people, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Judah, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, in dignity what time the stars appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child lay. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the child and destroy him.
Thank you very much, teenagers. Excellent. And uh, in just a moment, we're going to have our final carol, our final lesson and final carol. Well done to you, teens. But let me just share with you a little thought about that, uh, that little passage that was just read. These wise men traveling from, a ver- from afar, and a history tells us, we don't really know, but a legend and tells us that these men had names. It's three of these men at least had names. We don't know how many were there. We just know they gave three gifts. And uh, so speculation, perhaps history, legend, who knows, has told us that these three men had names. And they brought three gifts because they were each expecting something different. Now, somebody tell me, one of you children who are listening very well, what was the first gift that was brought to lay before Jesus? Yes, ma'am? Yes. Gold. You've got it. Because one of those wise men expected to find a king. You give gold to a king and gold expresses the glory of a king. Well, another one of those wise men was expecting someone else, and he brought something else. He didn't bring gold, but he brought something else. Does anybody remember what was the second thing that he brought? Yes, sir. Yes. That's right, frankincense. Well, you brought frankincense only if you expected to give it to a god. And so one uh, one of the wise men expected to find a king, and, and another wise man, they say, expected to find a god. And so he brought frankincense with which to offer his prayers. But another wise man brought something different altogether, expressing that he was expecting someone else. What did the third, or at least the third gift that was brought, what was the third gift? Eliana? You've got it. Myrrh, that's an interesting word. Myrrh was used to embalm the dead. So many believe that this wise man expected to find a savior. And if there was to be a savior, there was most certainly to be suffering involved. So he brought myrrh with the expectation that this little infant would be one day the savior, the suffering savior, and even the sacrificed savior. Well, were those three men disappointed when they got to the home of where Jesus was staying, were they disappointed? No. Did they find a king? Yes, they found the king of kings. Did they find a God? Yes, they found Lord of lords. If you remember the everlasting father. And did they find a savior? Yes, they found the Messiah himself. So all three of them were right. They found a king, and they found a god, and they found a savior. The king of kings, the only god, the only wise god, and of course, our dear, dearly awaited for Messiah and savior of the world. King of kings, God in flesh, savior of the world. But the interesting thing was that he came in a different package that they were expecting, perhaps. I had one of our friends help me today with preparing this little package. Do you know that years ago they didn't have lovely sparkling wrapping paper like we have beneath our Christmas trees today? But years ago, every gift and every present was wrapped like this. Did you know that? Parcel paper and string. Kind of boring, isn't it? But not if that's all that you were used to. 
Every Christmas present years ago looked just like that. And to many people, the outside was quite boring. But do you think that you would turn that away just because the outside of it was kind of boring? What if this had your name on it? Would you say, I don't like it. I don't want it because the paper isn't what I expected. Would you throw it away? No, not at all. But some people will turn their, their face away from Jesus because they thought and, and they think in their mind that the Savior of the world should come a different way. And they think in their mind that the Savior of the world should come perhaps in, in some government scheme. Or the Savior of the world should come through a palace. Or the Savior of the world should be some smooth-talking politician. And so they turn their nose up at the idea of Jesus. But can I tell you, it isn't so much the wrapping as it is what's inside. And the Lord Jesus came very much like a parcel. And to many people, to many onlookers, he was despised and rejected of men. But he was indeed, make no mistake about it, very God. You children sang it a little while ago, didn't you? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. That means literally wrapped in flesh. God came wrapped in a body like yours and mine so that he could die for our sins. So that he could live a perfect life, a sinless life, die for our sins and rise again to be the Savior to all those who would believe him. We come now to our ninth lesson here in just a moment. And uh, that will be read by none other than yours truly, myself, John chapter 1. Let me read it for you. And uh, these, this is the most amazing portion of God's word that has caused confusion for some people. No need to, but it has indeed. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Who knows what that's talking about? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Well, if you'd like to know, all you have to do is read verse 14, because in verse 14, it says the word and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Who's that talking of? Who was the word? Anybody know? Sadie? Jesus. And therefore, we learn so much about Jesus just in these verses. In the beginning was the word, meaning Jesus didn't start when he was born on this earth. He's always been. He was here at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, meaning He was at creation. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. I believe that tonight even Jesus is shining tonight, and perhaps your heart may be so dark that you can't quite understand it there was a man sent from God whose name was John the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe he was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world he was in the world and the world was made by him can you imagine here comes Jesus the one who made the world and he came in a package like this he came into the world that he made. It's a marvelous thought. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But, watch this children, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. 
even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. The word was made flesh. And do you know why Jesus came in a package like this? So that he might, that God might express to his creation his deep love and desire to fix what we have broken. That was evidence. The Bible says that the greatest evidence of God's love was Christ Jesus dying for crimes he did not commit, but for crimes that you and I have committed. An amazing truth. He died for me and for you. And the Bible says that this little baby that came as a package on Christmas Day in a manger would grow to be sinless and to be the Savior who died in our place for our sins. And the Bible says in this very portion that as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Would you look here for a second? The only begotten Son of God came to this world so that you and I could become the children of God. But... Just as if this package had your name on it. And unless you receive it, is it any good to you? If I wrote your name upon this Isaac and I said, this is for my dear friend Isaac, but you never come and get it, is it any good for you? In the same way, the Lord Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. But the Bible says only to as many as received him, to them gave a power to become the sons of God. And if you walk out of this building tonight and you reject Jesus again, you still have rejected the greatest gift known to man. Because to those who receive Christ, he gives unto us the power, the ability, the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So the question tonight is not just so much did Jesus come to this world because he did. It's not so much was he born in a manger because he was. It's not even so much did he die on the cross for our sins because he did, but have you received him? Do you this evening believe on him? Have you turned from that darkness? Would you look here for a second? The number one reason people won't come to Christ is because the Bible says men love their darkness rather than light. Jesus came in, that perfect babe came into the world to reveal all the darkness. But we don't like that, do we? We don't like someone telling us that we need a savior. We don't like somebody telling us that we have sinned. We don't like somebody telling us that we can't be the savior ourselves. But until you're willing to receive him, the only begotten son of God, the savior of the world as your savior, you will forever be dead in trespasses and sins. But the moment that you receive him, to you, he gives the power life-giving power. He awakens you to become a child of God. So tonight, will you receive him? Or will you walk out of here rejecting not just a Christmas gift, but the Savior of the world? Your only hope of redemption. Your only hope of peace. Your only hope of being on the right side when that King of Kings and Lord of Lords returns. I hope tonight that you will if you haven't already received Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. We'll sing our final hymn here in just a moment, but let's just pray. Father, we rejoice as we celebrate the life, the birth of our Savior, the life of our Savior, 
And we celebrate his birth because we rejoice in his death, resurrection, and soon return. We pray tonight that hearts will be moved to acknowledge the darkness in their lives. They might see that Christ Jesus came not just to be a light in this world, but to be a light in their life, in their heart. May this evening, may they turn from that darkness, from their sin, and turn to the light of Christ, the Lord Jesus, our Savior, and be born again today. Lord, move in our midst, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Let's sing together our final carol tonight. Number five, who is he in yonder stall? At whose feet the shepherds fall? Who is he in deep distress fasting in the wilderness? Hymn number five, let's stand together as we sing our final carol. is away. Now, thank you there. Hold on, hold on. Just one, one moment here. Now, what we'll do is there are two lines. Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Who is he in deep distress Fasting in the wilderness, and then we go to the chorus. So we'll do that. For, we'll start again. We'll have two lines just like that. That's my fault, entirely my fault. And uh, our, this is the best organist in all of the United Kingdom. And he's doing a fantastic job. And he works entirely with hardly any communication at all. So he's brilliant. But we'll do those two lines together, and then we'll sing the chorus after two. We'll do that each time. And so that'll give us... Uh, two verses together, and then another two verses. We'll do that four times, and uh, that'll conclude our last carol. Here we go. Who is he in yonder soul? At his feet the shepherds fall. Who is he in deep distress? Fire. 
Amen. Thank you for coming tonight and joining with us for this very special service. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. And I want to remind you that there is a catering trailer uh, that is marked with the logo of the Oxford Baptist Chapel on your way out. There will be uh, free um, goodies there. There'll be tea and coffee, I think some bratwurst, sausages, and mince pies and things like that, totally free of charge, our gift to you. That'll be on your exit out of the town hall to the right. You'll see that burger van ready for you. But let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. If tonight the Lord has spoken to you and you know that you need to be saved yourself, you need the Savior yourself, and you'd like to speak to someone about that, I'd be happy to talk to you after this meeting. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer, and we'll be on our way. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee and praise Thee again for our time together this evening. For each person that has come, that has watched on the live stream, we are grateful, Lord, for the songs that we have sung, the passages of Scripture that we've looked at, for the truth that we've heard. And we pray that that truth would enter our hearts this very evening. And that there might be some here, perhaps some children, or some dear ladies or men, who would come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Father, we thank thee for the miracle of Christ's birth. But we rejoice in his miraculous death and resurrection and his return, his imminent return. Prepare us, we pray, to receive Christ Jesus when he returns again. For we ask it in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and for his sake. Amen.